Hey, Paul. Hey, Fab. How you doing? I'm great. Yourself? Good. Good. I'm doing well. Awesome. So today, there's a question I've been seeing passing by online here and there about structuring your sales team. Uh, and I'm thinking about specifically one question where somebody had like, we've been structuring it geo structuring our team geographically, but that's not always working because sometimes regional offices reached out. So then it's like the West Coast person, but then the head office is like on the East Coast. So then there's like fights between reps as to who owned them. So they were asking what, what what's the best way to, to organize your sales team. And I know there's no best way, but uh, I wanted to kind of get your feedback, have a discussion about that. Uh, and then I'll also kind of chime in how you should structure marketing based on how sales is set up okay it's a it's a very good question and honestly it's 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 a hard question to answer because i don't think there is just one right answer it depends on your needs but so you kind of said it there in your question there's geographical needs there's expertise needs and there's also specific um steps of the sales process need so you know some people will have, um, you know, a business development rep just, you know, close the business and then they pass it off to an account manager or a farmer type, um, and, and they'll they'll split that up. So you know they'll they'll have one person who does all the BD regardless geographically, and then it'll be passed on. So that's one way of doing it. Um, other people say, well, no, we rather have you know cradle to grave with one client. So they'll set it up like that, and then they'll do it geographically. Mm. And other people do it by vertical. So, you know, these people will hit the automotive industry. These people will hit, uh, you know, if they're large clients, they'll hit different industries. And then some people do it by size of business. Um, so I hate to say this, but sorry. Um, I think there's different ways of doing it. And it really depends on what works best for you. Sorry, I had stomach stuck in my throat. Um, so... If, if, you're, if you've done it a specific way and you're unsatisfied with the way it's working, I think the best way to decide what works for you is maybe to be able to experiment. Mm. Um, you know, sort of like when you're trying to change your look, you'll go to the store, you'll try different clothes on. Uh, or if you're thinking of buying a bigger house, you'll go visit the house or you might, you know, rent a cottage of that sort if you're, you're trying to build to go live in it. So it's not a bad idea to test these things out and see. Um, of course, you're risking a lot if you're changing your representatives, um, clients, and you're, you're, you're breaking up relationships. So what looks good on paper, what is efficient on paper, doesn't always work so well in reality. Right. We have to try things out. But I don't think there, you know, if we're talking about structuring, if you're starting off from scratch, mm -hmm. you know, I would say, look what's being done. Look what you're trying to look what you're trying to achieve and look at how you're gonna best serve that client and keep efficiency. Right. Because the problem that and sorry, I know it's a long-winded answer here, but the problem with the way some people structure things is that if you're just thinking of how it's going to benefit you and create efficiency within your business and you're mm -hmm. not thinking about your client, you risk losing that business. But there is right. often a balance, right? Right. You know. Right. You know. Anyways, I'll, I'll let you chime in here because I could talk about this for hours. No, and that's interesting. And I think your, your last point was the most interesting is that 
you know, and obviously when you're starting out, you, you know, like there is some sort of efficiency. Sometimes it's even wild west because you're starting out like you're a startup. You have no real structure yet in place. And sometimes your your fit within the market is not even determined yet. You're still trying to figure that out. Um, but I think part of what you need to look at is, like you said, what's best serving your clients. And um, I remember a while back, you know, a few years ago, I sat in on an internal web presentation from Salesforce. And I said, they they've divided it up by very distinct type of markets. So they have like these, they have these focus markets. And so they have reps and I don't remember what those markets were, but let's say hypothetically healthcare and finance. And because those are very specific markets that have very different needs, right? If, and, and that's where the idea of servicing your client makes sense, right? If, uh, you know, a few, a few months ago, if you're a year ago, we had uh, Lindsay who was like owner of a, Uh, telecom company, right? And so for him, maybe whether they're in financial space or healthcare doesn't really matter. Maybe it does. I don't know. But if you're selling a CRM, it definitely matters, right? Because they have different compliances that they have to listen to. They have, And so if your rep understands their challenges, even though you're doing a discovery call and you're doing all that stuff, you have to understand that in financial space, they have regulatory compliances and whether their need is we need to generate more leads or track better revenue or whatever, there's, there's still that undertone of compliance in there. And, and that makes total sense, right? So I think, you know, we're building on the same thing here saying, well, you know, look at what your client needs are and look at what your rep expertise necessities or efficiencies are. Um, where the whole thing falls apart is when you start, you know, getting really creative and creating efficiencies where they shouldn't exist. And you're trying to, you know, reduce margins, whatnot. And that, that's where I've seen this done and it, it's, 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 it's wreaked huge havoc. Hmm. And sometimes what works in one industry might not work for yours. So the best thing is to taste the sauce before you buy the, buy the lead, the four liter uh, version of it, you know? <laughs> no, you're right. And I mean, it's, but again, and, and that's why I think like the important thing is, Fine. Let's say you're a startup. You don't know what's going on. You don't know your reality. It's normal that it's a bit, of, a bit of a wild west. But kind of start looking at it. What, what the realities are, right? If if you have if it's different industries or maybe different size, right? If you service, you know, if you work with a freelancers, their reality is completely different than uh, enterprise. So you might have tools and, and products for freelancers, but you might also have tools for for enterprise. So then obviously you'll probably need different reps. Because your sales process will look different, uh, you know, the purchasing cycle will different, and so on and so forth. So, so let's break it down into the real, the, the real. So the, because there's another aspect we haven't talked about here, and I want to talk about it, but a little later. So, okay. what are the things you want to look at? So you're going to look at the vertical. So what are my clients' verticals? So again, if it's a large enterprise uh, type software that you're selling in different industries, like you just said, a CRM, it's going to be different for the financial world as it will be for the real estate world or for the aeronautics world. Right. So that's the first thing you want to look at. What's your client's expertise? What's their objective and how does that affect what you're selling? them? So that's, you know, how am I going to look at that? And, and do I have people who have a lot of experience there? Am I looking for someone's experience? So that's the first thing you can, one of the first things you're going to consider. The other thing you're going to consider is, does geographic does, does geographic distance make a difference in what I'm trying to sell? And this is where I want to bring in the other point. Realistically, Fab, and I'll say this sincerely, geography shouldn't make a damn difference for pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, reality is we're emotional beings. We like to see our salespeople and we like to see our clients. We haven't 
We haven't distanced. We haven't been able to really break that. As much as I'm hearing that some salespeople can do 20 calls a day, whereas in the old world, they could do five calls a day, they're still lamenting the old way. You know, they like, so there's that emotional sense. And that's going to affect your client too. Your client might say, well, you know, that rep comes in and sees me, even though all is all's being equal. So you have to consider that geographic reality as well. Yeah. On paper, it should all be Zoom calls, you know, but let's, right. you know, unless you're selling something that someone has to manipulate or whatnot, but, you know, mostly it should be on Zoom. So there's that reality. So there's geography, there's verticals in your clients, and then there's also your reps expertise internally. And then what makes more sense? So, you know, am I better to have um, three people that do exactly the same thing with different people? Or am I better to have, have three people that talk to my all my clients, but for different stages? Mm. Um, so if you have someone who's really good at business development. Now, this is harder to do. Um, some people have managed to do it well. Like they just, one person just opens up the, the business and let's say, and then hands it off to someone else who maintains it. Um, and that can work. Like in, in the transportation logistics, you've got both ways at work. They've got what they call cradle to grave. So people who sell and and take care of the client all the way through. And then they've got another structure where someone just sells and then passes it off to someone else internally who manages the business. Right. So it's really to take a look at your business, what you think works better for you, of course, it's important, but don't forget, and this is what often happens, don't forget to see what's going to be better for your client. So some kind of market research. And then don't forget the emotions. <laughs> The emotionality of people liking to see someone physically once in a while sitting down. Um, and then this is where I really want to talk about the caveat. Sorry, I'm long-winded here, but it's it's very important. And the caveat is there's a lot about, you know, when we you know when we talk about style and tonality and and, and interaction, there's a lot that happens in human interaction that that we don't necessarily catch on. It's subtle, it's it's um there are cues that you, you might feel or, or, or notice that you are not controlling that much. And a lot of people base trust on that. And that's where the interaction comes in. When someone says, I like to meet my salespeople, what he's really trying to say is, I like to read them. I like to know what they're about. I like to develop that relationship so that I feel they'll give me the best. So they'll treat me the best. There's still a lot of that in humans. We're very much animals and we're very much animalistic. We think we've, we think we make decisions uniquely based on logic, but no way. So anyways, so sorry, long winded. I apologize. Please tell me what, how you feel about that. Well, you know, I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of good stuff in there and I mean, it makes sense. I think uh, there is a trial and error. Obviously, like you said, there is risk of like switching back and forth. So like thinking about how you're going to do this trial and error, but I, to me, it, it all makes sense. It's all about how can I best serve my clients, you know? And I think, I've been in organizations where they just had a round robin. Anybody who anybody could take care of anybody, and that worked fine because you know industry didn't matter, uh, you know geography didn't matter, stuff like that. And and to address kind of your your emotional stuff is like if they were larger accounts, like reps would sometimes just travel to go see the. Obviously, this was pre pre restriction era, but um, they would travel and stuff. So it would allow them to to build that physical bond as well. Um, but I've and I've worked and I realized this was niche. But I worked in a company where um, you know it was in the financial space, and and there everything was divided by market because you know different 
areas have different jurisdictions. And it was important for the salesperson to understand that if I'm investing from this country, I need to under these documents, I need these papers, which are like completely different. Expertise. The, the, yeah. Those reps needed to have expertise in what they were selling, and it could be catastrophic if not, right? So particularly in the finance, financial market where rules and regulations vary tremendously according to various countries. So that's that's a very good point. But the, the, I think, and, and tell me what you think, you know, you've got a small company, you start, usually the owner is a sales guy, you know, boom, 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 then suddenly he hires one person. So, okay, then they're a team. Right. And then so often it just grows organically into some kind of structures. Rarely. And, and it's a very good. Your question alone is brilliant because rarely do people ask themselves, how should I structure the sales? You know, and, and of course, at first you might only have one or two people. But how do I see that? How you know, if we really plan to grow, how am I going to do it? And a lot of people don't. It's almost like, well, you know, we'll just do it the best way. And, and whatever works, works. Right. I forgot to put myself off of mute, but um, yeah, exactly. I think, it, and I think it's it's important to take the time to think it through and and to think about uh, what makes sense and doesn't make sense and stuff like that. So, uh, what are the questions? Let me ask you. So, you know, and I think it's you know we're going to talk about marketing too. But if I was to ask you, so what are the questions that we think that those people should ask themselves when they're structuring or when they're thinking about, first of all, just to think of how to structure is a great start. But in your opinion, what are the first things that they should ask themselves? Well, I think they need to go back to kind of the basics first and look at who, who what's your ideal client and not, not necessarily the person within the organization, but the, the company, the type of company, right? Yeah. I think understanding who you're targeting is obviously the crucial first step. The business persona, not the not the person persona, but the business persona. Exactly, the business profile, business persona, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's crucial um, because from there you can decide does does it make sense? Does it? And then you can ask these questions, right? You you said it before. There's really three. There's probably more when you dig down, but three broad type of structures. There's geographic. There's like size of company and there's industry, right? Those are probably the three broad ones. And I would look at very objectively, does, does it matter where my client is located, right? For some people, it does matter because there's regulation, because there's this, because there's that. Well, there's transport too. I mean, if you're selling, you know, 10,000 pound machinery and you know, they're, they're located a long way from the, the factory, you might, there might be some geographical restrictions too. So yeah, yeah. Good point. Sorry. Didn't mean it. Yeah. And so then if the answer is, then depending on what the, regardless of what the answer is, then you move on to the next one is, does the industry matter, right? Does, do they have different requirements if they're in the aerospace versus, you know, the financial space or whatnot? And then the last one is size. Like, do I target different size companies? If so, is my product different or not? And then you kind of take your yes, no's. And I think that's going to start giving you the baseline to structure your sales team. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I, th I think we're, we're saying the same thing. And I guess the question now becomes, because we said marketing teams, um, how does this apply to marketing? Does is it more, um, does it mean, I guess, does it need to be more structured? Does it need to be more, uh, are, are you as client dependent when you're setting up the marketing or are you you're building a strategy that is internally based? Well, obviously, like the, the marketing team needs to have an intimate knowledge of who the client is to be able to do good marketing. But 
you know, the, the thing with marketing is that there's a lot of different competencies to take into account, right? There's, there's going to be your product marketing team. There's going to be your, let's call them lead generation team. There's going to be, uh, you know, your brand team, your events. Like it depends how you structure what's important to you. So I would say the big thing in marketing is one, uh, to understand what, how you want to approach marketing to start with, right? Because do am I going to invest in the brand team? Am I going to invest in the trade show team eventually? <laughs> you know, like, am I going to invest in lead generation? Am I going to... So that's the number one thing to look at. But then you, need to, you do need to be very aware of how the marketing, uh, the sales team is structured. Because if my team is very geographically dispersed, right? So the example I gave you early on like I have to understand as a marketing team what the realities are of each market because I can't necessarily market the same way everywhere, right? And so, or I need to be aware that if we're structuring the sales team off of company size, well, maybe some of the content has to be more geared towards smaller companies. Some of the, you know, uh, some of the content has to be geared towards larger enterprise and stuff like that. So, you know, again, usually most times the marketing team is smaller than the sales team. So obviously the marketers will probably be wearing different hats. Maybe they'll be covering different markets or whatnot, but it's important for them to understand how their team is structured. And as your company grows, then you might have little pods, right? Like this is my marketing team for, you know, South America. This is my marketing team for Africa. This is my, you know, and so on and so forth. But, well, you know, and, and marketing, I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but let, let's just take a small company that's starting out, right? So let's say, uh, you know, you've got 100 employees, um, you're a B2B company, and you're marketing, um, you know, your marketing team is, you know, three people. Um, I see it as even broader, and, and it depends so much on the product, on what you're trying to achieve. I mean, what you're tying your objectives to. I mean, there's, there's, I don't know, I see it like there's a million different ways of structuring the marketing team, you know? Um, right. And so if, if you go back to your example, like you said, like a small team, usually, you know, we're going to start out with one marketing person. Uh, so there's no real structure. The, the, the real structure there is in where they're going to put their efforts. Um, and then as you grow, again, you're, you're, there's, their structure will be much more, usually it'll be very competency based. Like, you know, we, want, we run a lot of trade shows, so we, we really need to know, we need somebody who really understands how to run trade shows. Uh, or, you know, we are doing a lot of content, so we really want like a good content creation. Okay. Person. So, I'm going to interrupt you here, Fab, because I know that I'm talking to a lot of, right now, uh, I've got a few smaller size companies that they have no clue what they want for marketing. They have no, not, they just want marketing to help them get their brand out there. Um, but they don't know if they should be doing, you know, a social media strategy. They don't know if they should be doing more intense, uh, you know, traditional marketing. They don't know where to spend their money. You know, we've talked about, you've said it before, you know, what percentage of your, your, your gross uh, revenue should be going into marketing. And, and that's, that's a really good start. But once you've established that, it's like, what do I do? Where do I go? It's almost, I see marketing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I see marketing as your in a new place in the jungle and there's a million different ways to get to the other side of the island. Whereas I see sales as you're in that jungle again, but you've got a road, you've got, you know, you can go around in the water and those are your two options. And maybe you can, you know, bicycle or something. 
like I see sales, there's more, there's, there's, there's more limitations to what you can do in sales. You know, you can reach out, um, you can build it in a certain way, but marketing, I, I see it as so much more vast and complex and the, and the, the options are so much greater that I guess my, my and I'm, I'll take this question even further and maybe we won't treat it today, but how do you even decide what it is you're trying to achieve with your objectives, right? So that's what's tougher. In sales, you know, I'm trying to grow revenue. You know, there's your highway. <laughs> trying to do 20%. In marketing, it might, it might not even be a revenue thing. It might be a brand thing. It might be uh, you're trying to grow a certain category. It might be that you're preparing the market for new products. It might be that you're, it might be, you know, directly related to sales. So that's where I think the structure before you even go there, you need to have a really serious conversation with a guy like you to say, well, what is it that I'm trying to achieve, you know? And you might need to even educate the person, well, this is where marketing can help. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I think fundamentally you have to understand that, and I've said this in the previous episode, right? There's like really three pillars to revenue growth. There's sales, obviously, that's the traditional way we look at revenue. And then there's marketing and customer service, right? Because if customer service is dropping the ball and everybody's churning and quitting, your sales team is going to be have a much harder time because the reputation on the market is going to be there's no post-sale service. And if your marketing is non-existent, while well, your salespeople are working seven times harder to get those deals because nobody knows who you are and basically every deal starts from scratch, right? There's nothing. So then if we talk about marketing, I think the big question you need to ask yourself, fine, so the, the percentage of revenue is a good indication, like let's say we said 5 to 10%, uh, you know, 5 to 20%. So 20% is if I'm in hyper growth and I really want to grow more and I need to invest a lot more in my marketing. You know, if I'm minimal, like main, like growth, but maybe not hyper growth, you want to be around 10%. And then if you're just trying to maintain your market presence, you know, 5%. So that will give you a general idea of how much you should be spending on marketing, including salaries. And... Um, so that'll already give you an indication, right? If, if you're not making a lot of revenue and then, you know, 10% is like not even enough to pay for a salary that that's, it says something, maybe you need to outsource stuff instead of hiring somebody. Okay, so you're still talking about, you're still talking, in my opinion, only about one type of marketing, which is to help you grow revenue, right? So let's talk about a government, like, you know, you've got no salespeople in government, none. But, you know, the Canadian government, the U.S. government probably have thousands of people working in marketing. Right? So that's where that's where I mean, marketing can be so much wider. You've got nonprofits, you've got governments, you've got, you know, associations that are not even trying to make money. So that's where I mean, that's where I'm asking you, how do the how do people structure those? And I know we're mostly sales and marketing in a revenue, but but in a revenue generating world. But when you really think about it, when you blow it up, marketing is so wide. So if you take those into consideration, well, it becomes brand, it becomes all of these other things that you need to consider. And again, uh, I was talking to a client last week who says, you know, Paul, I know what we need to do in sales, but I'm still, you know, we're B2B machinery. You know, we, we, pr we produce very, you know, very specific items that go into other items that are then sold to consumers. But you know, it's a very technological thing. And he still doesn't know what to do with marketing. And I think even if he had a conversation with you, it would take a long conversation. And I guess my question becomes, what do you do? So let me let me put it this way. You're meeting this guy for the first time. What are the questions 
you're asking, I, I guess you're trying to find out what I'm trying to find out is what are ultimately their objectives, right? Right. And that's exactly where I was heading. So thanks for setting it up so, so perfectly because you're right. Okay. So let's, let's focus on revenue because we are sales and marketing. There are, a, you know, nonprofit, you could say that, uh, you know, like donations would be their equivalent of revenue. And then there's others like government. And, but those are very specific industries that I honestly don't have a lot of background on. So it's hard for me to say. But, um, and sometimes the only experience I've had with government was when I worked in advertising. And sometimes, honestly, it's just internal politics. Like they have to run this campaign to show a segment of the organization that they're running this campaign. So it's, government is very complicated. But let's stick to revenue and maybe as a, as a parallel nonprofit who are trying to get, you know, donations. I think you're, like you said, it's what's the goal of the organization? And then, so let's say, let's say they want to grow revenue by 10% within the next two years, right? And so then you, then somebody like you comes in and they're like, well, what's their challenge? Okay, well, their salespeople are not really proactive in, in pro, you know, uh, prospecting or their sales process is inexistent and, so there's some structural challenges within sales. But then you're like, okay, but what's what's the other challenge that sales is having, right? Like, why are they not prospecting? Well, maybe they have personal reasons and cultural reasons within the company, but are they not prospecting because they're getting hung up on all the time? Because are they, are they not closing because nobody knows who they are? Are they like what's the what's the real what's the other challenges that are present there? Like or what what are the, the challenges that they have? What are they a ramification of? And that's where you start should start looking at marketing because if my challenge is, you know what, we're able to fill the pipeline. We have such a great product. And we're, the second our salespeople get a hold of somebody, they're down for demos or presentations or whatever. But you know what? They never close. Like they never close. Okay, fine. Paul comes in, reviews the sales process. Maybe there's some better things that you can do. Review when you're demoing, stuff like that. But then you got to look like, why are not people closing? Do they not trust you? Do they not understand what you're saying? Do they not this? And that's where you can start building your marketing around, right? If you realize that maybe trust is a big thing because you're asking them to fork over a hundred thousand, it's a great product, but it costs a hundred thousand dollars. Like, Oh, you know, I need to, I need to trust that you guys are not going to just close tomorrow night and stuff like that. So then you need to structure your, your marketing around building trust and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's, um, it's it's a it's a very good point, and um, I think not enough thought goes into that. You know what often happens in 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 in, in smaller companies that grow into larger companies. It's it's often they have a great product, they get out there, they start doing well, and they sort of just do it right, and they don't put time and effort into thinking, well, how do I structure this thing? And I think there's a lot of benefits to thinking about it. And, and looking at those three elements, right? Geography, expertise um, of the individuals, and, and also how are you going to break down the sales process, right? Um, particularly in a, in a sale where you've got a lot of recurring business, uh, how are you going to do it? Who are the best people to do it? Uh, when it's small, it's easy. It's just you. You're doing everything, you know, super small. And then when it becomes medium, you know, how do you delegate that? Yeah, it, and it's not it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Then we can get into the whole tactical side of you know how do you how do you structure a sales team tactically and how do you structure a marketing team tactically? Um, yeah, obviously. Then there's like the, the hierarchies you mean and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I mean, the, hierarchy, the hierarchies. Uh, 
less the hierarchy, but more the responsibilities, right? Um, and, and, and what needs to be done. Um, um, I, I believe, <laughs> anyways, it's, it, you know, coming from an old fart like me, I believe less and less in hierarchy. Um, uh, you know, hierarchy was necessary in a world where information was hard to gather. So the pre-internet world or the pre, um, yeah, the pre, where, where uh, experienced, would have a huge amount of, of effect on how you uh, people dealt with you or why they dealt with you. But now we've come to a point, I strongly believe that anyone who's interested can gather a huge amount of information and move forward very quickly um, in the world. So in, in the world of sales, and if you're, if you're really trying to create a hierarchy saying, oh, this guy has been in the business for 40 years, he's, well, it, it, it can actually hurt him. <laughs> or hurt the individual if they're not open-minded to the way things are changing. And sales, I think, is is one of those realities that has changed tremendously. So um, I'm very, very, when people want to set up hierarchy and they want to uh, create, crack the whip and whatnot, I'm, even in the last five years, I've seen a huge change and it just doesn't work. You know, even during the pandemic, the people that are happy and are motivated are the ones that do well. It's so so you need to structure it in a very um, uh, horizontal way, not in a vertical way. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think <laughs> I think you know the same. It's just the reality of the market, and regardless of department, I think people need autonomy and, and whatnot. And I think the 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 leader of the team, whether that's the direct like marketing leader, or sales leader, or everybody reply respond. Or, Everybody just uh, sits under the CEO. I think they're becoming; they need to become more coaches and trainers and less crack the whippers. And I think, uh, I think if that's, I mean, that's a whole other ball game, obviously. Um, all right, let, let's let's close it off. We've been chatting for about half an hour. Um, so, structuring the sales team. Look at your ideal client, ideal company, let's say, uh, and what factors are really going to be important like is is does geography really matter does size of the company really matter does uh industry really matter is there another element that really matters is like the technology that they use really matter right if if i use hubspot and i use salesforce and i'm selling kind of a, a sales plugin that goes on top of that and the way that plugin works with hubspot versus salesforce is completely different or maybe you need to structure your team based off technology use like there's a lot of Criteria like what's don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be creative and see what's done out there. I've seen companies fail because they structured in what they thought was the best way, and they didn't. They didn't readjust, you know. Yeah, and so for that, it's like especially if you're small, but even if you're larger, like listen to what's happening on your sales calls, right? Like, is are your salespeople constantly uh, making the same mistakes because they don't understand the industry or they don't understand the location? Well, maybe that's an indication that you need to structure around that around that basically and if i can just tie it into an analogy just as we end it off um think of all of the uh blockbuster videos out there all of the companies that had a great product and then the 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 market changed and they didn't change because they had a structure well you face the same danger in, in marketing and sales if you were just sticking to a traditional model that doesn't make sense you know Jeff Bezos did really, really well because he was he he pivoted into something that made sense to his clients. 
Um, some people, I agree. Some people are visionaries like Netflix. I said, well, we're going to start, you know, mailing videos. And then they started, they created a platform from scratch. You, you don't have to be super creative, but you definitely have to look at what's going on in the market and, and, and adjust to what makes the most sense to your people. And that's where I think geography is going to become less and less important, unless you're selling some hard piece of equipment. Yeah. And so, and then to, to tie that up, marketing, uh, and I like the point that you brought about, like, where do we start with marketing? Because it's how, what's the biggest pain point you're trying to address? Nine times out of 10 is nobody knows me and I don't have enough leads. Like that's usually fine, but then solve for that. And then do you need a structural component? I mean, um, and you know, like, yeah, I've seen some companies like they're international, right? So they need a marketing team in the US for all the English speaking markets and they need a marketing team in France for all the French speaking markets. So then you can structure geographically or by industry or stuff like that. But usually it's like starts by structuring around what's the biggest pain point that you're trying to, mm -hmm. to solve for. Okay, great. Good. This was interesting. It was more of a discussion than a, but we gave some, we gave a few solid things in there, but it was, it was very much a, a, an open discussion. Um, so thanks great. for joining us guys. Thank you all. That was fun. Take care. Bye. <laughs>